Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where motivated women achieve fulfillment and well-being. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. Just, you're going to be in for a good ride. I'm a woman. I would prefer to, to tell my own story. My story, though it's very personal, is universal. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. And now your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hi, Giovanna Rossi here, and welcome to another episode of The Well Woman Show, where I interview women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs about their lives and their road to becoming and being who they are today. Are you at the top of your game professionally, but feeling burned out, or finding it hard to focus on your goals, or unfulfilled personally? Or are you in transition, simply juggling so many things, you find it hard to take care of your own needs? Well, you're not alone. We all need to activate the four universal superpowers. These are the internal strengths and abilities we all already have, but don't use all the time. Superpowers can be cultivated and they include awareness, intuition, action, and acceptance. Toward the end of the show in a segment called superpowers for success, I ask my guest about her superpowers and the answers will give you the strength, perspective, and power to live a well woman life. I'm so happy you're here, so thanks for tuning in. I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green, healthy lifestyle publication, and for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. Hello, hello, well women. I am so excited. Welcome to the Well Woman Show. I'm really super psyched for this show that I've put together for you today. Um, first show of 2019, and I have some treats in store for you. We have Tina Chen on the show, former assistant to President Obama and executive director of the White House Council on Women and Girls, chief of staff to the First Lady, Michelle Obama. So that is going to be awesome. And at the end of the show, I've included an excerpt from my 2016 interview with Congresswoman Deborah Holland when she was the Democratic State Party chair of New Mexico. And as a special New Year's bonus, right at the very end of today's show, I'll share my commentary published in the Santa Fe New Mexican. And uh, listen, definitely listen to the end of the show because you won't want to miss this. And I'll post all the links at wellwomanlife.com slash 148 show. So on the show today, I interview Tina Chen. She is, as I said earlier, the former assistant to President Obama and chief of staff to First Lady Michelle Obama. And we talk about how to approach diversity and inclusion in the workplace, what men can do to change workplace culture, and the one thing that makes certain leaders stand out from the rest. Tina Chen is a leading voice in the national conversation on fighting sexual harassment, gender inequity, and discrimination. And she's a leader at Buckley Sandler's workplace cultural compliance practice, counseling companies on issues related to gender inequity, sexual harassment, and the lack of diversity in the workplace. You can find more information and links at wellwomanlife.com slash 148show. You can also continue the conversation with us in the Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico and High Desert Yoga in Albuquerque. Now to my interview with Tina Chen. I'm speaking with Tina Chen today. Welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me. It's so great to have you in New Mexico. We're excited for you to be here. And 
Tina, we heard in the introduction all about your, you know, what you're doing and all your titles, but I really want to dig into a particular question that I know you're passionate about. What can you just describe your approach to diversity and inclusion and how it includes gender? Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you, Giovanna. Thanks for raising these issues and having me on. Um, Diversity and inclusion, I think, is one of the key things about how we need to change workplaces. So one of the things I'm doing in my practice now after the White House at Buckley Sandler is a practice on workplace culture, helping companies do better. And one of the amazing things about the last year is with all of the stories around sexual harassment and what's been going on in workplaces, I've seen a real willingness on companies to dig deep and try to figure out what's going on and how to build a better workplace culture. And one of the important things is, as we've spent so much time this last year talking about sexual harassment in the workplace, is to remember that diversity and inclusion is a key part of addressing these issues. You can't just address and things by having a new sexual harassment policy and doing some trainings and thinking you've solved the problem. I mean, the real solution at the end of the day is to build truly diverse, inclusive, respectful, and safe workplaces, you know, where you have a variety of viewpoints where everyone is accepted, they support one another. Um, That is what's going to lead both to safer workplaces, so less sexual harassment. But I think companies are seeing now that's what also leads to more productive workplaces, Um, workplaces that make better business decisions, you know, workplaces that can reflect reflect better the needs of the customers that a business is trying to sell to. Um, so I'm optimistic that we're, we, can, we can make some real change. That's super exciting. I want to ask you a little bit more about that um, because I think you hit on something, you know, that, I, that definitely resonates with me, which is we can't just do these Band-Aid approaches like, oh, check the box, like sexual harassment policy, great, we're done. How do we truly, you know, integrate the, the values and the commitment to diversity and inclusion uh, in a way that's meaningful and that, that actually makes an impact. Yeah, no, that's the thing that everybody's struggling with because, you know, the other thing is we've been doing this work for three decades, right? You know, sexual harassment's been illegal for 30 years and we've all been doing the same trainings right? and there's been policies out there, but we are where we are. Diversity and inclusion work has been going on for about the same amount of time and yet, you know, we have 4% of fortunes. 500 CEOs are women, right? And the numbers go all the way down the list and it's worse for women of color. Um, So how do we really make meaningful change? I think the important thing is, as you said, it's got to be fully integrated. You know, in the past, we've sort of looked at these as, oh, that's just the problem, the employment relations department, right? Or the human resources department. It's not something the CEO worried about. It's not something the board of directors worried about. Um, That step one is the top of the organization has to own this issue. And they have to own it in the same way they own you know, how are they going to invest in the new technology or how are they going to do the next research piece that they want or what's their next ad campaign? This investing in your talent these days in the information economy that we now have in a tight labor market that we now have is as important to the success of your business as the new piece of equipment you're about to spend millions of dollars on. And you have to invest in it. You have to, you know, monitor it um, and pay attention to it from the top of the organization all the way through. And you have to send those messages, right, about how important it is from the top of the organization. Okay. And what about for, from the employee perspective, what can employees do and and what do you recommend? I know you mostly work with the employer side, but um, I feel like as employees, we can also be proactive and um, in terms of talking to our employer about the things that are needed. 
Well, I, you know, through the Times Up Legal Defense Fund, I've actually also been advocating for employees. Um, so that I want to make sure your listeners know is that if you are an employee or someone or you know someone who has suffered sexual harassment in the workplace, that's what the Times Up Legal Defense Fund is there for, to provide legal support if you can't afford it. Or even if you can, just to provide you with resources and for information so people can go to the National Women's Law Center's website, nwlc.org. And on there, you will find both a button to ask for help if you're a lawyer or you know a lawyer who's willing to offer their services pro bono or reduced fee to help victims of sexual harassment. You can volunteer there. And you can also find out how to donate. And you'll also get fact sheets and other resources if you just want to read about it and understand what's going on. So that's number one. How, what can employees do? You're right. Talk to each other. You know, Be a bystander. Right. If you see something, say something, as the saying goes. Um, that goes for in the workplace. Um, we want our employees to, you know, watch out for each other and step up. You know, employees can help set the culture themselves. You know, if you know you see somebody, you know, talking about the cheerleaders after the you know Sunday football game, you know, kind of coming and say maybe that's not okay. Um, you know, if you see someone who's uncomfortable because you know there's another worker who's paying too much attention to her, step in. You know, make sure she's okay. See if there's something. You know, just say, come, you know, why don't you take a walk with me now? We're going to break this up a little bit. Um, if you're somebody who runs a meeting, I say this a lot. If you're in a meeting, um, if you're running a meeting or even if you're participating in a meeting, when that thing happens, it always does, where the woman says something, nobody pays attention, the meeting moves on, then a guy says something and everybody pays attention, call attention to that, right? If you're running the meeting, you can say, oh, no, 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 I'm going to go back. That's actually a good point because Sue just said that. Let's go back to what she said. But if you're a participant, you can also say that. You can also say, oh, wait a minute. You can call it out to the chair of the meeting and say, actually, Sue just said that. And that's a way people, you know, you can just, again, change the culture, what's going on in your business. Yeah, I love that. And I, I want men listening to this program, and I know there are a lot of you out there, um, to, to really take heart to this because I think there's a real role for you in this. Uh, it's not just women speaking up. It's it's men speaking up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when 96% of the CEOs in this country are men, then we will not change workplace culture unless men are part of the change, right? They are an essential part of the change. I get that question a lot. What's the role for men? It's key. Men owning this culture, and quite frankly, it'll make their businesses better. It will make them better business leaders. Okay, Tina, we're moving on to this segment called Superpowers for Success, and I want to ask you a few quick questions. Um, first of all, what does success in life mean to you? Um, I think making a difference, figuring out what's the best way to make a difference. And when did you know you were really good at what you do? <laughs> I'm not sure I still know it. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, I think striving and wondering whether you're good enough to do, you know, what you're doing is I kind of, when you're a little bit of a type A personality, you're constantly asking that question. Yes, I agree with that. Um, okay, I just, I know you just arrived from traveling and you're heading out in a little bit to go to another thing. How do you stay, how do you take care of your own well-being? What, what's one habit that contributes to your well-being? Oh, that's a really good question because I'm really bad at it. You know, I'm not the person that people should take personal well-being tips from. Although I will tell you my latest thing, you know, because I am traveling a lot, is I have given myself permission to not do work on planes and to only watch whatever latest downloaded show I am watching. You know, so I've been like through them all lately. I'm doing broad church right now. Um, so, uh, but you know, that 
that that that actually is a little bit of self-care. Love it. Okay. And what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. I don't know. Um, well, here's one that I think I discovered in the White House, which, you know, and remember, I didn't go to the White House until it was in my late 50s. And after I'd already been a lawyer for almost 30 years, right? So, but I discovered that at the White House, I have a really good ability to see broadly, right? To see the whole playing field and then look around the corner to what's coming next. You know, that's how we came up with United State of Women, which was thinking about what was missing in the women's movement, which was a place for everybody, regardless of issue, to come together um, and to speak to, you know, women in their own communities and in their own voices with what they're doing and lift those up. And, you know, seeing that gap and then figuring out how to address that gap um, is something I learned. Oh, that, it's actually kind of fun too, in addition to being an ability that I can do. Okay, cool. And what advice would you give your 25-year-old self? Oh, well, it's that's kind of easy. And a lot of people say this, um, which is not to pay attention to that little voice in your head that's saying like, eh, not so sure you can do this um, because we all have that. Um, and I had it. You know, there were moments where, you know, I didn't say something and held back because I wasn't sure it was the right answer only to have the guy next to me, right, give the answer in court. I stopped doing that once. It happened once to me, and then I realized, oh, I'm never doing that again. So that was something I had to learn. What makes a good leader? Uh, being able to listen. I think, you know, a good leader needs to listen and needs to not just sit back and look like they're listening, but actually listen and absorb what they're hearing. Okay, two final questions. Do you identify as a feminist, Tina? Oh, absolutely. Have since I was in college. What does that mean, just briefly to you? Um, it means someone who, you know, supports, um, I think, equity for everyone, but in particular recognizes that I think women and girls suffer from particular challenges in our society um, and works to address that. Okay, final question on a light note. What are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? Oh, like five books that I have I haven't finished reading, but I just picked up a book in the airports since I've been in a lot of airports. Amy Tan has a new book out that I is sitting in my 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 bag as we speak, um, which I can't remember the name of it now, but it is about remembering and her how she has how she writes and how she remembers her memories. And Amy Tan is somebody I've always been reading as an Asian American, Chinese American author. Tina, it's been such a pleasure having you on the program, and welcome to New Mexico. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. You're listening to The Well Woman Show. We'll be right back. I spoke with now Congresswoman Deb Holland in October 2016, right before the presidential election, when she was the Democratic State Party Chair for New Mexico. Here's what she had to say. I'm an advocate for women because democratic values are really women's values. We understand the need for strong families, for access to economic opportunity, for equality, for equal pay, and for a woman's right to make her own health decisions. I'm proud to be a Democrat because we have such an amazing track record when it comes to women's issues, and we're always looking to empower women and push them to get involved in public service. I understand what it's like to raise a child and care about educational opportunities or the lack thereof. I know what it's like to... Um, in my case, to apply for food stamps, for example, when I was going to law school and, and I didn't have a good 
enough paying job. And so I, I think uh, there's a lot of women out there who, you know, they're taking care of their elder parents and they're working, uh, you know, a job or two. And I think women like that would definitely bring a different perspective to an elected position. And Deborah, as the party chair for a state, state of New Mexico, and you led the delegation to the Democratic Convention for the, for the state of New Mexico, for listeners who may not be in New Mexico, they may be in a, a different state or even a different country, what was that like for you to have that leadership role? Well, I mean, I think it's it was a tremendous opportunity for me and and actually for New Mexico. I as the first Native American state party chair in the entire country. I think it speaks volumes for the diversity that we have here in New Mexico. Uh, we had uh, youth. We had Hispanic women, Hispanic men. We had uh, Native Americans and. And, you know, I, I think that when you think about diversity, it's, it's everyone having a part in their own future. And I really like that idea because I think we work well together. We're stronger together. And we're moving into a segment that we call Superpowers for Success. Sure. And so I want to ask you a few questions. First one is, what does success in life mean for you? What does success in life mean for me? Well, I mean, personally, right now, I could say that my daughter, who is a senior at UNM, I look at her as being successful and that makes me super happy and I feel successful because she's gonna graduate she cares about justice and equality she recycles and she doesn't you know she cares about her footprint and what she's leaving for you know future generations I guess so um, so if I look at her, I always feel really super successful. It's nice to know that your kids actually learn something from you. Yeah. And when your kids are doing well, you feel like everything's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, Deborah, when did you know you were really good at what you do? Well... I think, I mean, if I, if I, you know, I can base so much of my life on, on my involvement in politics because that's what I've been doing for a long time. And, you know, in 2008 and again in 2012, we got out about 60% of the Indian vote because we worked really, really hard. And um, I was really proud of that fact. So... It's, you know, in the in Democratic Party politics is one place where you can work super hard and and quite often, not always, because I've worked hard and haven't gotten the results I wanted also, but um, quite often you can really feel good about the outcomes because, you know, it's successful. The hard work pays off. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's a good example of, of being validated by an external 
result. You know, like you worked hard, you saw the result, you felt good about it, you were you thought I'm really good at what I do. It, was there ever a, a point where that was internal, where you thought to yourself, in that quiet sort of inside place, deep down, like I am really good at this? I, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever felt that way. I, you know, so much of what I do is because of other people. And, you know, I, like I'll give you an example. I get, whenever I ran for state party chair, so many people said, why are you doing that? It's a thankless job. And, you know, you're going to hate it. And, and actually, there's been a, quite a number of people who have thanked me for the job I'm doing and who who are happy with the job I'm doing. However, I would never be able to do it without my staff. So I have this wonderful staff, and we're very small. There's only three of them and one of me. Well, actually, we have four now. Uh, there's four of them and one of me. And... Um, you know, I give 90% of, <laughs> of our success to them because they're the ones who are, you know, making my vision into reality. So, um, so you know, I, I want to be careful about patting myself on the back if that's, if that's what that kind of means because I think you always owe a debt of gratitude to somebody or some people, and you should always express that when you have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? Superpower. Superpower. Um, Well, I don't know if this is a superpower or not, but I think all women have the ability to be inspirational. And by inspiring people, you might lead them to do something good for someone else and that keeps that chain of helping people going so to to get a little bit more personal you inspire people I've seen you inspire people you you when you speak and when you relate and connect and and do what you do Uh, would you call that your superpower well sure I guess so (laughs) I guess so you know after I did the announcement at at the national convention, uh, I, I had gotten a special Indian dress made for the occasion because I wanted to I wanted to show pride in who I was as a Pueblo woman. And afterward, I got lots of tweets, and and one of the tweets um, mentioned that a young girl was tweeting that she wanted to get a dress just like mine, right? Isn't that sweet? And so if I can inspire that young girl to get a dress like mine and to get involved in her community, then I'll take that any minute of the day. Okay, great. And I want to ask you about resilience Mm -hmm. and about what you do when you get knocked down. When, you, when something happens that just throws you off your track, um, how do you deal with that? What do you do? I do, well, I talk to people about it. You know, I have people that I trust, that I can basically um, t- 
talk things out with, right? Maybe it's called venting. You just want to get it off your chest so that it's not weighing you down. But I think it's always good to get things off of your chest no matter what it is. If it's bothering you, you have to get rid of it because it will crush you if you don't. Um, but, you know, my parents, as I was, when I was growing up, my parents were very strict. My dad, I, my dad was a 30-year career Marine. Uh, my mom had been a veteran in the Navy, and she was she was a she was just a tough woman. She worked hard, and and she didn't really put up with a lot. And I guess I just learned from my parents that you know you just keep going. You don't you don't you don't give up easily. You know, I my dad was in Vietnam for two years, and and after he passed away. We opened up his footlocker and, and read a lot of things about his military career that he never shared with us. And he could have died over there, but he didn't because he was smart and he was resilient, right? And, and so I feel like I need to honor his sacrifices too. Mm-hmm. Um. What advice would you give your 25 or 30-year-old self? I would advise myself to get involved. When I was that young, I wasn't thinking of too much externally. And if I could if I could tell myself at that age that my involvement could make a difference in people's lives, I would definitely have done that. Because I didn't get involved till much later. And I feel like I could have already accomplished a lot more if I had done it sooner. Mm-hmm. But we do things in a, in a certain order, maybe, and we get, we, we accomplish things because of that, right? So maybe if you had done it earlier, things would have been different. Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, I want to ask you a couple other quick quickies here. Okay. Do you identify as a feminist? I don't know. Probably. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 that seems a little bit of an old-fashioned word in a way, right? Because I know there's a lot of women who have fought a lot harder than I have for a lot longer, and I am reaping the benefits of the sacrifices that they made. I mean, just when I think about my right to vote, it was challenged, right? And the women went through horrible things to give me that right. And, 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 and in addition to that, Native Americans couldn't even vote in New Mexico until 1948. So I realized that I owe a debt of gratitude to the women who came before me, and I intend to pay it as long and hard as I can. Um, So if being a feminist means that women should have equal (laughs) pay and that they should get just as much in return for the hard work that they do, then yeah, I'm a feminist. 
That was an excerpt from my 2016 interview with Congresswoman Deborah Holland. Congresswoman Deborah Holland from New Mexico's first congressional district and Congresswoman Sharice Davids from Kansas's third congressional district are the first Native American women ever elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. If you haven't listened to the last episode of the show available at wellwomanlife.com slash 147 show or on your NPR One app, do definitely check it out. In it, I share my thoughts on New Year's resolutions and why January is for dreaming. So if you've made your New Year's resolutions, great. Good luck to you. And if you haven't or you're worried about how to stay on track, then definitely check out the show to learn four things that will help you prepare for real goal setting, not empty promises that leave you feeling like a failure come February. So check out wellwomanlife.com slash 147 show. I want to let you know about the Goddess Rising Retreat on February 3rd. And you can find all the details at wellwomanlife.com slash 148 show. That's the show notes for this week's show. Kimberly Maresma was a speaker at my retreat, the Well Woman Retreat in uh, 2018. She is involved in this Goddess Rising Retreat, along with several other women who will be teaching yoga and life visioning, uh, lots and lots of very interesting things. It's a whole day of awakening and indulging the sacred feminine. So if you're interested in joining me there, definitely check out the details at wellwomanlife.com slash 148 show. It's on February 3rd and it's all day and it includes lunch and uh, I'd love to see you there. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join us. Our monthly live event, Well Woman Drinks, brings women together to share our successes and challenges as women, leaders, moms, aunts, sisters, and all the other roles we carry. If you'd like to attend a Well Woman Drinks near you, or if there isn't one in your city yet and you'd like to start one, email info at wellwomanlife.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening today, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week. Music